welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and before we get into the show today, there are some things I wanted to go over. Firstly, thank you so much to everyone who has given this little podcast a chance. I hope you've enjoyed it so far, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. Second, you may notice that we didn't jump straight into the interview like we have previously. We are trying out new intro and outro bumpers on the next few episodes. Let us know what you think about them. Finally, have you checked out our website? It's at fifthdraw.com, and we'd like to hear your thoughts. Is there something you really like? Things that need improvement? Let us know. My hope is that Fifth Draw can become a community hub for Fifth Draw Wild and any other podcasts that come out in the future. So please, check it out and let us know what you think. And now, on with the show. And our guest today is Jake. Jake, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Today, you know, we're going to be talking about a, a subject that uh, you you enjoy a whole lot, uh, very publicly on Twitter over this last uh, month. October specifically, but uh, all year. It's an all year kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, that's the uh, James Bond series of films. Yeah, I, I do... Every year, well, I say every year, it's been, I think this is technically the first one. I don't know if I actually did it last year or not, um, but I do what's called Bondtober. I made it up, so I can't pretend like it's a thing, and I just try to watch as many Bond movies as possible during the month, and uh, it's pretty fun. That sounds like a that sounds like a pretty good celebration right there. Yeah, I don't like scary movies, so I don't really do that, so I just watch Bond instead. Unless it's Cabin in the Woods, I can't really do them. Yeah, same. I have like a couple, but you know, it's not it's not a major thing. Well, I guess I guess the first question before we dive into the actual movies we're going to look at is, uh, who is your James Bond? Oh, that's tricky, because it used to just be a real easy answer. It used to just be Brosnan, because that was the one I grew up with. That was, like, the first one that I saw. But after watching, I think, because 2015, either, like, the end of 2014 or very early 2015, I got the James Bond 50th anniversary every movie out collection oh and so that year i just like endeavored to watch them all with my roommate uh he was with me up until goldeneye after goldeneye he tapped out for a couple and then came back for the craig movies i don't know i watched all of them it's it's either more or brosnan with an asterisk because because my favorite movie is, is a timothy dalton movie so which is weird and i guess no one says that license to kill is like my jam <laughs> that is that is one of the better ones certainly yeah, it's uh, we're not going to be talking about his just just to no. spoil the rest of it. But um, <laughs> he has a fifty percent success rate because license or license to kill is real good. Living daylights is boring as hell. <laughs> it's got one of the better theme songs though. It does. That theme song rules. But like, who boy is nothing it boring? Happens in nothing that movie. happens. Yeah. No, and then they make up for it in the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're not talking about that one. Yeah. Um, so so for me it. And I'm I'm a little embarrassed to admit this now, but growing up, like the first Bond movie I saw is one one we are going to talk about, uh, Goldfinger. Nice to to date my myself. Uh, I saw it on one of the frequent uh, Bond marathons that uh, I think TBS used to do. Yeah, I was just about to say it was a T- TBS or and the other one that did it, and I don't know when they did it was uh, I think Turner Classic Movies just used to do it a lot too. It was on a show that they did on one of these that was called uh, Dinner and a Movie. Okay, I think that was TBS, yeah. They'd watch a movie and then they'd make a food that went with it. You know, basically the the early the early version of what half of YouTube is now. Right. It was it was great fun. I don't remember anything about it except, you know, like those key little moments from the movie that everyone knows. Right. But uh that made me love Connery, which is why I'm ashamed of it, uh, at this point because man. Yeah, they are they are a little rough to go back and watch. <laughs> Nowadays, those movies hurt a bit. Um, yeah, I'm a Craig boy now. Dana really? Craig got me. 
Oh, really? I am I am the exact opposite. He is my least favorite because I because oh. his movies are all very good, but they're not Bond movies to me. And we're gonna talk about a Craig movie later, and maybe we'll we'll talk about it more then. Uh, I guess honorable mention one that we're we're not also we're also not gonna talk about. Um, what what do you call it? The the best modern James Bond movie, uh, Kingsman, gets a nod here. It's super good. It's the it's literally the best Bond movie since Goldeneye, and it's not even a Bond movie. It's like. It's it's based on a terrible comic book. The it, it's based on a comic by Mark Millar, and it's like the comic is genuinely bad, and I it has no reason to be because like it's the movie is what it could have been and didn't do, but this movie is like pretty perfect. It's it's got all the stuff you think of that like James Bond movies should have that like kind of don't like when you go back and watch them all like there's not as many gadgets as you remember like there's not as as much stuff that like is a bond movie it's just like spread out throughout 50 years that it kind of all conglomerates but this movie has like everything and it's funny and it's it's action-packed and it's super good and it's getting a sequel that is supposed to be just off the hook so yeah and uh it's gonna take place in america and um pedro pascal is in it and unfortunately halle berry is in it and i'm really worried about that (laughs) She ruined a Bond movie already once. She was the worst. She was in the worst one. It was so bad. <laughs> uh, okay, so on the happier... Well, we'll get to the happier notes, but on a note that we're actually going to discuss, uh, what's the first Bond movie we're going to look at? Uh, first one is Goldfinger, and I feel like you have to talk about Goldfinger first if you're talking about Bond movies, because it is the template that all Bonds from here on out will follow. And and I feel like I feel like for people like kind of in our age range, it's probably one of the more formative Bond movies. Yeah, because it, it's the third Bond movie. Uh, it came out in 1964. I did a... I did, uh, a little research, so I would know some dates. Uh, but it came out in 1964. It was uh, it was a third Bond movie. The first two were Doctor No and From Russia with Love. And From Russia with Love, I think, is a way better movie. Uh, not way better. I shouldn't say way better. It's a. I think that's a better movie. It wasn't exactly a Bond movie yet. And they, it, I think, two years later, they're like, "Oh, this is one. This is what we do." And I, th- I think it really works. I think, I think it's a pretty good foundation to to build your. 50 plus year series on well it's it's kind of got everything that's you know, like you said that's become the staple of the bond movie it's got the uh completely unrelated cold open yep yeah got the cool car got the uh the girl that dies in the in the first act yeah that yeah J- james bond is a, a typhoid mary uh, he is the kiss of death the first girl he sleeps with in any movie dead like she's She's dead. I don't think anyone has survived that curse so far. I feel like there might have been one, but I don't remember. And it wasn't in one of the movies that I watched on on this past October. So I, I couldn't tell you. But I feel like one got away and everybody else was just like was had the kiss of death on him. The unrelated cold open is something that needs to come back because they've kind of fallen away from it uh, since I think at least die another day on because that's like. The best way to start a Bond movie is just like show up, do a cool thing and leave. And then it's like, oh, there you go. He's competent. He can do whatever he needs to do. Because this one, he like scuba dives into a drug facility and like under his scuba suit is a tuxedo because there's a party. It's a whole thing. And he blows it up at the end. It's great. That's one of those more memorable scenes is him just pulling off that wetsuit and just a perfect tux underneath. Yeah. Uh, This is also the first one with like, a, a distinct theme song which became like the James Bond thing. The first two were just the James Bond theme that slowly transitioned into a weird islandy version of Three Blind Mice. 
Uh, that was Dr. <laughs> no. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was, it's very weird to see. And then the second, For Russia With Love, just had like an instrumental piece. And this was the one that really nailed that, uh, that opening credit sequence that we've, we've all come to recognize in there, right? Yeah, this had the, uh, the like the gold, and, and the back then they would like project things onto women <laughs> and curtains near them and, and through smoke and stuff. So like, yeah, it was, it was, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch and see that like how they did it before they could just like do it all on the computer, you know? Before we got some of those ridiculous ones that we got in the, into the Brosnan and into the Craig era. Oh God. Yeah. The, the Craig, the Craig ones are really cool cause they're very stylized, but it's also like, mm, there's not really of any personal touch here. And the Brosnan ones, like even starting with Goldeneye, like we'll get to that one, but like th- th- those opening sequences are just crazy. What kind of happens in this movie? Kind of walk us through Bond in this movie. What's he do? Uh, well, it's this is the first one that has like a really good villain because it's got Oric Goldfinger, who is overdubbed in the movie because uh, he had like a really thick Austrian accent, and they they didn't want that, so like he did all the lines in English, but they just like overdubbed him. They overdub a lot of people in those early Bonds. I don't think in the first movie, I don't think there's a single person that isn't Sean Connery or like Lois Maxwell, who plays Moneypenny, or Bernard Lee, who plays M, that has their own voice. Like everybody else is just like whoever they could grab. Uh, but Bond does eat, I don't know, it's so hard to explain because it's so like typical that it almost seems boring. But like he goes, you know, he goes through his normal, you know, do some investigation, you know, in full, big air quotes infiltrate you know like by basically like he plays golf against goldfinger and cheats and he's got this weird cabbie sidekick for a minute that's uh that's a pretty funny guy uh there's odd job they introduce like the henchman um which is pretty awesome and he's the iconic henchman right yeah i think there there are two iconic henchmen and it's odd job and jaws and i'm a jaws guy myself but odd job is pretty awesome uh, he just he has this like l- like kung lao hat that he will throw at statues and knock their heads off, <laughs> and and like one of them you didn't ever want to be in GoldenEye sixty four, and one of them you weren't allowed to be, or everyone would yell at you. Right? Yes, because uh, yeah, Ajab was smaller, so he was harder to hit. And Jaws was bigger, so he was easier to hit. Yeah, those are the two you stayed away from. Uh, I actually put on my notes. Uh, the video game of Goldeneye, just to remember to talk about it. If if for some oh, reason I have a concussion and forget later, <laughs> oh, that's gonna come up. Oh, that's that'll that'll come up. That that always amused me is I, I read through the synopsis again of Goldeneye um, earlier, and it said it described Odd Job as the hulking Korean sidekick, and I was like, mm. yeah, he's broad, but he's not big. Like he's like a he's like a like a broad dude who can like throw a hat real good. Another another thing that like this movie set up that comes back a surprising amount is the like the big climactic army versus army finish where they have like two sides just like warring over a place. So basically like Goldfinger has a bunch of gold he's been saving. He just gets as much gold as he can and saves it because he loves it. And then he has uh, this plan to put like a nuclear bomb in Fort Knox and basically radiate all the gold that america has um jokes on him we don't use it anymore but it's the dumbest plan yeah that's i think that's another staple of a bond villain is like (laughs) almost have a good plan and then like get real dumb with it at the end and uh so at the end there's this huge like all of goldfinger's forces versus like i think the actual army 
like yeah, facing the US off. The U.S. Army has yeah, to reinvade like, Fort Knox. <laughs> yeah, like facing off against each other to like get this bond, this this bomb. Uh, and I think Bond pulls the plug, and if it doesn't end with seven seconds left, I, then they did it wrong. Because <laughs> I know there's one movie where they end on, like, three seconds, and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? That's not right. It has to end on the 007. Yeah, I it's mean, so obvious. It's right there. Yeah, uh, this is also the first Bond girl that I would classify as a Bond girl, uh, because the two previous were like, people that were there with him um and this is the first one that like did anything or had any motivation uh it was pussy galore which is just a very strange name it's it is the most bond name of any bond name yeah i think it i think that one sets up some of the weirder ones later like holly goodhead or um, oh, or or like xena on a top from goldeneye <laughs> which is like that's not a name like that's not even a name uh but yeah that there's uh, Pussy Galore, and she is a she is like the Gold, Goldfinger's pilot, but she also has like a flying circus where she has like a bunch of girls, and that's their whole gimmick is like they're girls that fly planes and do tricks. Um, and she's like definitely a lesbian, but it's never said that she's a lesbian. Um, and then there's some uh, really gross stuff that happens to her at the end in a barn. Yep. Uh, that's the bad part about Connery movies is that it seems like it, it differs from Bond to Bond, but Connery's in like specifically, it seems like he really hates women <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you can't really unsee after someone's like you realize he's garbage, a garbage monster to them, right? Like it's it's weirdly veiled, but he basically rapes pussy galore he like forces her to have sex and then she's cool with it all of a sudden which is just like very strange uh at at best it's it's not good uh but it's like just really weird how she's like oh i guess fine since since you're so insistent it's like no 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 bond movie don't do this that's what makes those early ones kind of painful there yeah and it's not just like this one it's like most connery movies are just like there's there's one moment where you're like man, if I could just do a real quick edit of this movie and get rid of this this one part. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's also, it's either like You Only Live Twice or Diamonds Are Forever. There's like a really, really gross scene in a massage parlor. It's it's bad. We're not talking about that movie, so. <laughs> Thankfully, neither of those are. Mm. No. <sighs> bad for, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so Goldfinger like you said, really kind of sets that first bar. And for for its shortcomings, you know, script-wise, treatment of women especially, and also for kind of the more of-its-time difficulties that are bad to look back on now. Yeah. Besides that, how does it do overall? Like, like where does that, where does it really set the bar? Um, I would say pretty high. Like, other than, like, a lot of that stuff is, like, from its time, and we have, like, as a people, like, moved forward and gotten better, which is really good. But, like, if you if you take it for what it is and of its time, and, like, I, like you can't just forget about those things, but if you're like, no, not these parts. Like, those parts are, you know, we're just going to push them to the back. Um, the rest of the movie is really good. I think, like, the action is real good. The way the plot moves is nice, and it's well-paced. Like, that's, like, a problem some Bond movies run into. Uh, Oh, like yeah. the like the next one, Thunderball, which uh you could cut a, you could cut about forty minutes out of that and have a real good Bond movie. Um, they did, but, and they called it Never Say Never Again. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I heard it's a lot better because they took out the forty minutes of slowly dragging a net over an underwater plane. You can time that so you can take a thirty minute nap like right in the middle and like not miss a thing. Yeah, 
That's not a good movie. But I think this one sets the bar pretty high, and it does have all the classic stuff. And that theme song is, it's not in my personal favorites, but it's got to be in, like, the top three of, like, the best ones. Um, but I would put it at around five for my favorite theme songs. And we'll, we'll cover some of those theme songs towards the end here a little bit, because I'm sure some of those are going to come up again. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've got a lot of the base pieces kind of assembled with, with Goldfinger, you know, Q with the few of the little gadgets and the car and and just Bond being Bond. Um, what does our next one do with all that? Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. This one is is very maligned, and I don't exactly agree with it, <laughs> with how bad people think this movie is. <laughs> it's weird because it's a prequel. This is 1969, I believe. 19, yeah, 1969. It was after Connery had quit, but before he came back for one movie. It did well but it didn't do as well as they wanted like it was made for like three million dollars it made like 82 million dollars right which is crazy but like it didn't do as good as the one before that which i believe was diamonds are forever might have been you it's either you only live twice or diamonds are forever i don't know which side of on Majesty secret service it is uh either of those are on but it's a prequel and they don't tell you that that's the that's the weird part is that like it definitely takes place at some point in the past but also maybe not it has to because he hasn't met blofeld yet and blofeld is in that blofeld's wanted like he would have been like the main antagonist of the series if there wasn't this weird like court case around thunderball that like yeah. basically gave ralph mccrory rights to him so albert broccoli cubby broccoli was like no we're not going to use him anymore then and they did this really weird murder scene later where it's not him but it is it's, it's a whole mess <laughs> And that whole mess didn't get resolved until, like, two years ago, just in time for them to make um, a movie we're going to talk right, about later. Right before Spectre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was real weird that it took that long. Yeah, and it, like, there was talk at some point, I think it was, like, early 90s or maybe, like, the the mid to late 80s where, where Sony was going to make their own James Bond series. And they were going to have, like, Blofeld and Spectre, because that was, like, the stuff that they, that, like, Ralph McQuarrie also owned. Like, they were going to have that be the main antagonist. It was going to be, like, you know, a more serialized Bond movie franchise. Uh, but it never came to pass. And I kind of really wish it did. Like, I really wish that they would have done some stuff with that. Because it would have, it wouldn't have been able to follow any source material except for Thunderball. But they could have done some cool stuff with it. But there was, like, another court case and like, it didn't happen, obviously. Ah. Uh. But anyway. back to Honor Magic Secret Service, yeah. It's uh everyone hates it. <laughs> um, except for me. Um, because I like I don't think Lazenby's a great bond. That's like the biggest shortcoming, is that like Lazenby is he was a model, he wasn't an actor, and it shows. It really does. But he's really good at fighting. He's very, very good at fighting. His his fight scenes are among the best until Craig, because he just like is like has this weird physicality about him. Also, Diana Rigg is in it, and in 1969, Diana Rigg. I don't know if you guys know this, total babe. So that was real nice. It's it, the romance between them happens really weirdly because there's like none, and then there isn't. There's some, and then they're married at the end, which is a weird thing. And then the ending happens, uh, which we'll get. I guess we'll get to. But I really like the movie. It's yeah, it's got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, they go to the Alps or. It's the Alps. They go skiing somewhere, and I'm always a fan of Bond skiing. Like, like if you can do that, do it. Oh, that is always consistently good. 
Oh, yeah, always. But then uh, there's like this whole subplot where he pretends to be a genealogist and he has to go to this like camp where they're brainwashing women to like, I don't know, overthrow world governments, something. They're like, they're all British. So I don't know what the plan was. Uh, or they're all American, maybe. I don't know. But like, it's it's weird. It's a weird movie. I can't really super defend it. It's a very weird movie, but I feel like it needs to be on the list of ones you watch just so you can see like, hey, here's the thing they tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, Look, we tried this and we'll just we'll just move on. We'll just go past it. We'll get we'll get Connery back. We'll pay him a lot of money for him to phone in a whole movie, and then we'll we'll move forward with Roger Moore, and everything will be real nice from then on. So so what what really comes out of this that that has a lasting impact on Bond or does anything? Uh, well, I don't think there is a lot there because he gets married at the end. Uh, he he marries um, Teresa, who is played by Diana Rigg, who Game of Thrones fans will know as um, Olena. Um, like the matriarch of the Tyrell family. Uh, and she's like baller on that. Uh, but she like, she gets killed right at the end. Like the last like minute she is shot in the head by Blofeld, who you thought was killed because he like got hung on a tree branch earlier in the movie. Uh, but then he just like drives by and shoots her and like, like bond kind of like breaks, but it's, it's weird because it's a prequel. So like, I don't know if like Connery's bond is affected by this or if like, it's not canon. It's hard to, it's hard to piece together a lot of bond movies. It, it would certainly make, uh, make some of Connery's or I guess bond in general, some of his actions a little bit more understandable. Yeah. It would give, it would, it would give a motivation for him to like treat women as disposable because like, he just knows what happens if he gets close to him. It's like, I'm like, it's not a defendable stance, but it's like, at least it at least is motivation. Um, there is also uh, a line in the very opening scene uh, where he says like, this never happened to the other fellow. And it's like, what do you mean? George Lazenby's James Bond. Do you, do you mean the previous 007 or do you mean Sean Connery's James Bond? It's like, it's just such a weird line. It's like a wink and a nudge, but it's just like kind of makes no sense. It's a wink and a nudge that screws everything up. Yeah, there are there are two things in the in the film franchise that like throw everything out of whack, and that's Judy Dench later on and this line, and it because because this line like makes it seem like oh maybe James Bond is a code name, which I love. But then uh, Roger Moore visits Teresa's grave at some point, and then I think. I think Brosnan also might mention her at some point. I think it maybe in the world is not enough. I don't remember. I haven't seen that one recently. Uh, but like, so so it, it hints back to like we're all the same guy, but also it's a code name, and it I don't know. It's hard to explain. It drives. It's the one thing that drives me just up a wall because I want it to make sense, but it can't. No. And then you get to the Craig movies, and you're like, this has to be a hard reboot, or else my brain will leak out of my ears. <laughs> So we kind of just take confusion from that, and I guess if if you allow for it being a prequel, then you get a little bit better understanding of who Bond is, really. Yeah, and I I think that would that's a really good way to look at it because there's not a lot of other Bond stuff. Like the the theme song is not a song; it's like a, it's an instrumental again, and it's it's a really good it's a really good instrumental, but it's not like a song. And there's also like no gadgets. There's no like Bond stuff in it, which is which is really weird that they just like reset to zero once they once they have a new new guy. And but we don't really get that in a lot of the other ones and a lot of the other resets, like. When we jump to to Roger Moore and then to Timothy Dalton down the line, 
we're not going to see that same kind of hard reset. We're going to see a lot of the same things carry over with the character. Yeah, Dalton's, Dalton's are a little different because they went like a more like grittier late 80s like vibe to it. So there's like some some stuff that doesn't necessarily gel. But yeah, like every other time, like like Brosnan and Moores are just like, no, we know it works. Let's just do that. Um, but this this time they're like, new Bond, new us. Let's just let's give it a shot. And then they never did that again. Yeah, and they were like, all right, all right, we made a mistake. We're sorry. So that brings us to our third, one of the uh, Roger Moore films. Uh, which one's this one? Uh, this is A View to a Kill, the, the worst uh, Roger Moore movie. <laughs> I wanted to give a good representation of what Bond can be overall. Like, Because if I just picked the best ones, it would be Goldfinger, License to Kill, Goldeneye, either Live and Let Die or... For your eyes only, for more. I love Moonraker, but I understand it's not the best one. Oh, but it's so good. It's I feel like that's peak Bond is Moonraker. It is. It is. He goes to space. There's lasers. There's an army fight in space. It's great. Jaws becomes a good guy and crashes to Earth twice. It's great. <laughs> if you have not seen Moonraker, fix that. It's... Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, get yourself right. Um, and then, like, maybe Casino Royale, uh, which I really enjoy, um, and then Goldeneye, like I said earlier, which we are going to talk about. Uh, but, like, because I wanted to give, like, a good representation, I went with Roger Moore's last Bond movie, which is this weird kind of death throes of a, of a Bond career, I guess, because he's very old in this movie. He really is, like... He was 57. Oh, he's, he was pushing it to be Bond. Yeah, uh, he started out older. Um, like, in Live and Let Die, like, he was, like, an older Bond, but he didn't seem it. And even two years earlier in Octopussy, he was basically fine, and then he just, like, that all caught up to him by the time View to a Kill came around. So so what goes on in View to a Kill? What do we see here? Oh, well, I watched this one the other day because I didn't watch this during... All these other ones I did I did watch during uh, Bontober, so I had those, like, fresh. This one I didn't, so I had to watch it the other day. Uh, and it's it's better than I remember. I think the first time you see it, you're like, well, that wasn't very good. But then on the second, uh, you're just like, oh, it just wasn't very good because it didn't make sense. It, it wasn't that it was boring, which I, I will always take confusing over boring any day. Uh, but this one, it's really weird because uh, Christopher Walken is in it, and so it's fun to see Christopher Walken in like early roles because you're like oh you were always like this okay but he's a good villain he is a really good villain the problem and he has a great henchman uh mayday who's played by grace jones who's like this super tough like can like at one point she literally picks the dude up by the collar and the crotch and just like throws him like she's bang it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> but there's also a lot of weird stuff like there's like this scene with like an opera singer and there's like butterflies on fishing hooks <laughs> that i cannot I cannot tell you what that is uh, to save my life. Someone got artsy behind the camera for a minute there. I guess. Um, but it, it has all like the tropes of a good Bond movie. But then at the very end, it's just like everything goes off the rails. And like the scene in a house for a long time where he's like defending the house and this girl who is young enough to be his daughter like a young daughter that he's like he doesn't sleep with because he's like, oh, you're like a daughter to me. Um, but then later at the end of the movie, no, he does sleep with her. Don't worry. He's still James Bond. And it's like, no, 
No, please. He's still consistently garbage to women, yeah. Yeah, and like Roger Moore's is a lot better about it, but like there's you can only do so much with the scripts you're given, you know? But there's after after the weird like let's defend the farm scene, like they get on a blimp, it ends at the Golden Gate Bridge, and like you you find out that Max Zorin, who is Christopher Walken's character, his plan is to blow up Silicon Valley, like to basically blow up enough fault lines to have it break off into the ocean. And he's like, then we'll control the silicon market, like the, the ch- silicone chips, and it'll be great. But like the problem is that like they are the ones that buy the chips. They don't make them. Yeah, they don't make them. They just buy them. You're you're literally destroying your market base, dude. In a really dumb way. Yeah, and there's there's also this whole thing about horse racing and like steroided up horses and the steroids are undetectable and that has no purpose in the movie at it all. It doesn't come back ever. It's just like, oh, he's clearly cheating in a way no one can tell. And Yeah, it's like it's it's basically a late a lead in. But yeah, then you're like, and okay, the horses are these horses smuggling in bombs? What's the Nope, they're just horses. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. It's it's got that. It still maintains that level of of Roger Moore kind of campness to it, though. Too like that's part of why that yeah. works really well, and why when you're watching it, you don't really question. Oh, this guy's going to set off bombs down a mine shaft and make California drop into the ocean. Yeah, which he does. He does set off some bombs but they don't work and that's not explained it, and they're like no we gotta go to we gotta get on the blimp we can't explain what that is there's a blimp fight that we gotta do i don't know if it's and there's like also this this like secret thing that they talk about but then they don't explain where like maybe max zorin was made in a lab like he might be a tube baby that's like a perfect killer because he's ex-kgb but also like it's just christopher walken he's not like a physically impressive specimen or anything and he's obviously not super smart because his plan is to like corner the silicone chip market and then blow it up. Like it's just like, well, I mean, if his plan was to like destroy technology moving forward and send us into the dark ages, like that would be cool. But that's not what he presented. You know, he's so I don't know. A lot of things that when you're done with the movie, you're like, wait a minute. How does that work? Yeah, but during the movie, you're like, oh, this is fine. This is a nice campy movie, which is like Roger Moore's hallmark, I think. And that's what really made his movies work is that he just kind of like lean into how goofy it was. And that man mastered the zing one-liners. Yes, that like Austin Powers is based off of Roger Moore for a reason. Um, Like it's sort of it's sort of based on what Roger Moore would be like if he was doing Connery's stuff, because it's like like Austin Powers is like the 60s and like he didn't start until 72 um and like so like there's like a little bit but it's like he like the one-liners the super campiness the like really charming like not like connery informed charming but like actually charming more more was a master of of what he was given like he made the best of what they gave him in a lot of ways yeah like like uh and there's some movies that like like octopussy just is not like a very sensible movie like it's good i really like it but there's like this whole circus plot where he like follows a circus for a long time and then there's like uh the army versus army fight but half of them are circus people and it's like oh that's that's pretty neat more plays it like right on the line of like no this is serious and like eh, you guys get it he makes everything work so well so 
we're we're skipping over we're skipping over Timothy Dalton. Yeah, uh, uh, like like real quick, I do love License to Kill. Everyone should watch that movie. Like a man gets his leg eaten by a shark. Benicio del Toro is in it with an inexplicable accent, and he gets thrown into like some sort of meat grinder at one point. It's a really violent, really like gritty movie that like is real fun and has one of my favorite Bond girls in it, Pam Bouvier. But because like his hit, he only had two movies. His hit rate is only fifty percent because Living Daylights is boring as sin. It's best to just kind of like move past it to a really, really good movie. And that's what we're hitting on next. The uh, the triumphant return after a couple of years. Um, and Pierce Goldeneye. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan's first outing as Bond. Yeah, uh, there there was a talk of him starting earlier. Like he was supposed to be in Living Daylights, and he was literally on his way to the press event when he got a call from NBC saying, hey, good news, we picked up Remington Steel for another season, so your contract uh, is extended. And so he just, like, he was, like, ready. He had his keys in his hand, and he turned around and had to call MGM and, uh, and Eon and be like, I can't do it. They they basically picked up Remington Steel for, a, for a, like, another season out of spite because they didn't want him to go be Bond, uh, which is crazy. He finally got his chance. Yeah, six, year, six years later. It could not have been in a better movie. I think it worked out really well. It's really, it's unfortunate for Dalton because I would have loved to see what Pierce Brosnan did with those two. And like his movies would have happened earlier and they would have been very different. Uh, but I think the way it worked out, Pierce Brosnan is the perfect GoldenEye forward James Bond. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, it's post- it's post-Soviet Union, so, like, you don't have all that Cold War Russian stuff to fall back on, so you gotta do something new and weird, and, uh, you know, like, the internet was becoming a thing, and computers were becoming, like, prevalent, and so, like, they just kind of, like, lean into it, and it was really good. Right up until they weren't, but we're not gonna look at those. Yeah, uh, he had two really good ones, a fine one, and the worst Bond movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. I was tempted I was real tempted to to put Die Another Day on the list of stuff we had to talk about, but I was like, I can't. I'm do real that. happy you didn't. That movie is hot garbage. If if you ever want me to come back for a, for a, a James Bond part two, uh, that's gonna be on. It. Do the uh, do the ones that shoot for the bottom of the list there. So Goldeneye has what I still believe is one of the coolest opening scenes um, that we've been given yet. Uh, yeah, I can't remember it's it. It's the dam. Oh right, Durr. That's the whole first <laughs> the level game, of the yeah. video game. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's it. Like this one is crazy because if I'm not mistaken, he d- he jumps into a plane. Uh, he parachutes into a plane after jumping off of a dam. Well, is that this uh, one? Sort of. Or no, this this one he just he jumps off of the dam, down into the reactors and watches. Uh, his buddy Sean Bean get uh, uh yeah Sean Bean executed. everyone's favorite dead guy executed in air quotes um, yes because surprise the uh, the the other double O agent uh, doesn't die yeah double uh, O six infamous double O six nowadays um yeah and then he runs away and chases a plane on a bicycle and jumps into it just like free dives onto okay. it okay yes. That's that's what that was. Right, right, right. That's oh, so good. And it's so, like, big. And this movie is so big and action-packed that it's, like, it's, like, the first blockbuster Bond. And it, it, like, set a tone that I don't think Bond was ready for, but, like, they totally nailed. Uh, but, yeah, the bad guy's real great. 
And every action sequence is just amazing in its scope. Yeah, there's like the tank chase is the business. It's like they he he steals a tank and has a car chase where he's the one chasing. It's amazing. And he's chasing a train. A tank yeah. chases a train. That never happens. Yeah, it's so good. No, he drives through like buildings. It's like this uh, so much wreckage, like so much unnecessary property damage. But it's just like so fun to watch that you're like, I don't care about those people or their lives that he just ruined. Let's get his back to this tank chase. It's a great film and you know it it brings in a lot of the, the classic Bond tropes again. You know, we've got Q, the same Q. We got Q back, Desmond Llewellyn. Uh, I think he's only got two more, one or two more, um, before he uh, he he takes a bow from the series. Because he's been in it the whole time, and he's getting very old at this point. Yeah, it's um, it might be Die Another Day? No, World is Not Enough. I think it's World is Not Enough, yeah, where he passes it on to John Cleese, who is fine. He does a fine job, but the movie's get real bad after that and it's it's hard to it's hard to watch <laughs> so uh but yeah desmond Lowell is back and like he still hates bond which is my favorite thing is that like Hugh just like hates bond so much bring it back in one piece 007 yeah because he just never like returns anything and everything gets destroyed and he's just like you're the worst person that i work with uh here's a car here's a sweet car go blow it up in five minutes you're gonna drive out of here and it's gonna explode and I like that they keep that when they bring Q back in uh, in Skyfall, um, they like they bring back that like antagonistic relationship that they have, but it's kind of on the other like the shoes on the other foot. It's 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 fun, but yeah, it's got all it's got the the cold open that seems unrelated, but then ends up being related. Uh, but this I think for this one it works real well. You kind of have to have that so that the suspense of who the bad guy is in the movie really holds on. Yeah, because it's a rogue. Double O, it's Double O Six, who like you like you thought was killed, like but he wasn't, and it's it's real cool to see that like oh there's an evil James Bond, like oh man, and he like he's been planning this the whole time, so it's not like he just decided to go evil. It's like he had motivation and everything made sense, and it was like really well executed, and so it's just real nice to have like a Bond villain whose plan is not let me destroy Silicon Valley. It's a good plan. It's a really good plan. Yeah. The method of execution is silly because it kind of has to be, you know, giant golden key right. and everything. But, but I mean, by the time you get there, you're bought, you bought in. So you're like, ah, of course it needs a big gold key. This is fine. But it's a good plan. It's, it's a, it's a satellite in orbit that basically like detonates a nuke and projects the EMP down on a concentrated area. And so he's going to yeah. do that to London. Yeah, he's basically, like, holding the world hostage because he's like, oh, I'll just knock out your power. And then, like, like I don't care what happens after that. Just, like, give me all this money. And it's 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 real. It Like, it, it works because at the time, like, we, we were just at the point where it was like all of our stuff is electronic now. Like, we, we've got a lot. We need electricity. We're, like, we really love it. Please don't take it away from us. And uh, and he's he comes off with this giant satellite where he's like, no, oh, I'm going to I'm going to just blow up like they tested on the facility that made it essentially just to like cover his tracks and it rained havoc on that place yeah there's a lot of good like miniature work uh in the, in that scene and this is this is the one with with uh boris who gets frozen in uh, liquid nitrogen right down at yes, the end uh oh, oh boy <laughs> 
I I love that scene where he has like one of the one of the gadgets he's given is a pen that you click three times and like toss it and it's a grenade. Um, and so like Boris takes the pen and while he's trying to like de-hack the planet or whatever, he's like clicking it and then like clicking it four times or only clicking it twice and like he keeps he keeps undoing it. And then at one point he like does the third one and Bond like. Oh, that was it. And knocks it out of his just hand. leaps across the room to slap it out of his hand. It's just like, okay. Yeah, and then uh, that doesn't lead directly to the, the the liquid nitrogen, like, just literally pouring on him and just freezing him in his I am invincible, <laughs> uh, like, pose, his win pose, yeah. I guess. But it starts that process because that's when Bond is like, oh, I'm going to win now. Yeah, he's like, oh, I just I did the thing I needed to do to get forward in this in this. The movie is very much a video game, which is why the video game works so well, I think. Um, but like it, it's it's good. Everything everything just like transfers like so well into the next scene. And like Zena is in it, and like I said, her name is ridiculous. It's Zena on a top. Her whole gimmick is that she seduces men and breaks their neck with her thigh, or well, crushes them bodily with her thighs, which is just ridiculous. But I kind of love it. I kind of love how ridiculous it's the it most is. Bond level of ridiculous. Yeah, it's perfect. It's like it's Bond going like, "Oh, well, we know what to do with this one. Like, we'll just we'll give her man killing thighs, essentially." Then there's like this whole I, I just totally got lost in the theme song because like way back there's like like she's in it. the theme song is crazy. It's like it's like this weird like Soviet Russia is falling and here are like the leftovers that like want to kill you. But there's like giant hammers and sickles falling and then like Zena's face is there and she opens up her mouth and a gun comes out. And it's like, hold on. What is all this uh, set to a Tina Turner song like Tina Turner's song Goldeneye uh, made Look, for the movie. It ranks right up there with Thunderdome for me. So it's it's good. It's a good song, but it's just, it feels so late. Like, I feel like this should have been a much earlier song. And then, but it, like, that kind of makes it work even better because of, like, the movie is based on, like, you know, Cold War's over. What do we do now? And so, like, it's like the 80s are over. What do we do now? Well, we still got Tina Turner because she still rules, <laughs> but, like, you know. Yeah, no, and it, it really does pull back and kind of feel like a good classic Bond movie again. Uh, especially because like license to kill is very different it's it's a like there's nothing like major like the like the bad guy just wants to make real good drugs like he just wants to make undetectable drugs that will make him rich that's it like that's you know nothing big but like then you come back to to this one and it's like oh i'm gonna blow up all like i'm gonna nuke everywhere with emps and it's gonna be great and i'm your best friend who's betrayed you and everything is horrible uh it's super good and then like you get the greatest shooter video game out of it. Uh, so <laughs> that worked out real well the for everyone. The workhorse of the Nintendo 64. It was a system seller for sure. That that was like the thing you could point to to be like, you don't want a PlayStation. PlayStation does not have GoldenEye on Look, it. Look, we all know the controller's real weird. Trust me, play GoldenEye, it works. Yeah, you got to look around with buttons. That's fine. It's It's goofy, but guess what? It works it like it worked. We did it to the point where I not not even a year ago I played it again on an N sixty four with three other guys. Really, I I have 
I have an N64. I, I have I have Perfect Dark. I don't know if I have Goldeneye. Uh, but I've been meaning to, like, bust it out and play it. Just because, like, boy, was that game fun. It, like, it, like the, the things you could do. I remember there was there was a point in my life where I would just play it, like, every day for, like, five hours. And it's, like, because it has bots. It has AI bots. So, like, you can, like, you don't need other people to play. You can just play, stack a bunch of bots up. And then you have remote minds, which you can attach to the bots and blow them up. And it's amazing. The last time I played it was in college, which was about six or so years ago. Well, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, it was about six or so years ago. And my friend Andy is such a cheater at it that in the facility, there are points where he can just stand and throw proximity mines to where you're going to be. <laughs> like, And you can't get to him because you can't arc a bullet. So, like... It's it was frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's it was a kind of a it had a lot of touches that other games took later. Like it kind of went over the top with the unlockables, with like the big the DK mode and the paintball mode and all these things. Paintball mode, yeah, everybody loves paintball mode. Yeah, DK mode, which is big heads. Like you know how Donkey Kong had a big head. I don't know why they call it. Oh no, because you also yeah. have long arms, right? So I guess that was it. Uh, there was there was a mode that was like really awful. Like to look at because it took away everything but the lines. So it's just like white, white background, black lines, and like you just had to play. But if you turn paintball mode on, you had like the color from paintballs. So like that was a really abstract way to play James Bond Goldeneye. But they also had like a lot of classic Bond things. Like in multiplayer, you could play as Jaws or Odd Job or any of those kind of classic guys. Yeah, you could play as uh as I think. I don't know if it was in the game, but with a Game Shark, and look, we all used Game Shark on on Goldeneye. Like that's just a thing everyone did. Uh, like you could unlock all of the previous Bonds. Like like their their faces were in the game, but I I don't remember if they were in the game proper. But I know you could get them with with the Game Shark. So like you could play as Roger Moore or Lazenby if you wanted. I think you could unlock it, but you had to do like every mission on the highest difficulty, which was just nope. It also had game types like. You could play an entire round where your only weapon was the watch laser. Just chew. Yeah, yeah, and you had to, like, get up and, like, zap people and did, like, no damage. Or there was, like, the golden gun, which, like, one hit, one kill. Because that's, like, that's sort of, that's a weird way to video gamify the the trick of the golden gun. Because, like, in that movie, it wasn't, like, the bullets kill you no matter what. It's just, like, he's a good shot, so he only uses one bullet and it kills you. But, like, in the game, it's, like, no, the bullet kills you if it hits you. And it's, like, oh, oh, that's pretty great. Everyone only has technically one yeah. HP. And you could get, like, the Moonraker laser and everything. It was fantastic. Yeah, the, the, moon, the Moonraker laser that's only used in the scene in Moonraker where he's giving him his gadgets. Yeah. He does not get the laser. It's just, like, in the scene also. It doesn't feature in the movie in any sort of big way. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, well, it like it like melted a mannequin head or something. And they're like, all right, let's put that in the game. Let's make it a laser in the game. That'd be great. <laughs> the uh, the the main gun, like the main handgun is called the club, I think. And it's it's named after Irma Club or is it Klug? Klug? I don't remember. Uh, it, but the gun is named after like Blofeld's number three, like in charge in from Russia with love. Like it's it's like real great. They just like had all these like little like you know, hints and stuff that, like, I didn't know about when I was that age, but, like, it's just real cool to think about now. And they did things where, like, they would they would have a gun that, in N64 graphics, looked as close to a real gun as they could make it. Like, they had one called the RCP-90, which is more or less a P-90, yeah. you know, submachine gun now. And it's just like, oh, you right. guys didn't try very hard on some of these. 
You did what you could. They had those. Is that the one that had the weird like like bayonet thing Kinda, on the front? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're like, that's a gun, sure. And then there was like the Walter PPK, and that was it. Like that was yeah. the like that was the only other thing that was like real in of, of all the guns in the game. And you could just make a game type where you just ran around and shot rocket launchers at each other because of course you can. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was mines. I loved. I like remote mines. Like proximity mines. Uh, I never really figured out the timing on timed mines, so I didn't use those a ton. All proximity mines is a fun game. You just you like coat the walls. You just try to like hide them from people. Uh, it's a good Toss time. On the ceiling. They never look up. So moving on to to our newest Bond movie and Bond, and one that I don't think has a video game tie-in, and if it does, it's nowhere near as good. Um, we're talking about Spectre, the most recent one. Yeah, this one came out in 2015. It was two-thirds really, really good, and one-third really confusing. And I don't even know, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know how, I know there's a lot of good things, but I think mostly this movie is boring. This movie has pacing issues, a lot like Casino Royale did. Yeah, Casino Royale looks real good if you're doing a double feature with Quantum of Solace, because, like, it it finishes the story, and then Quantum of Solace has a start of the story, because those are, like, the problems with both of those movies, but if you watch it back-to-back, it works. This one is just, like, all over the place. Yeah, and it... It it has the misfortune of following after Skyfall, the third Daniel Craig one, that is, I think, easily just one of the better pieces of Bond cinema that we've seen yet. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, that movie is beautiful. I believe Roger Deakins is the cinematographer on it, and, like, that movie just looks so good. Uh, and then then you get Spectre, and it's not, it's not it doesn't, that it doesn't look good. It looks good, but it's just, like, it's not as, like, stylized as Skyfall was. No, and they don't go to, yeah, they don't go to, like, wide open places as much. They don't, they don't give the camera as much work there. Like, they go to Mexico City, which has no room at all, and... Rome and yeah you know all these places they're doing a road chase like a a vehicle chase at one point and then they go through like narrow alleyways and then down next to a canal instead of like I don't know any of the big roads in that city yeah it and like that that chase is pretty good and everything like works really well and then at the end of the movie you're like man that was claustrophobic uh there was only one scene that was like in a wide open place and that only lasted for like a minute when they're at the uh the the compound at the end when they're leaving it's like you know oh look at how big this place is uh oh and it blew up and we're gone now okay well all right that was a nice shot i guess well, and in the whole time, you're like, does Bond actually remember anything? Like, he knows how to shoot still. Yeah, that's so weird. That that ending is so weird because it, like, it just happens. Like, all of a sudden, they're, like, on a train going to Blofeld's compound, and you're like, why? Why did this happen? And, like, you're invited? Like, you just get to go there and, like, hang out with him? What's it's, the... F- it's worse than that because it's like they were invited or expected, yet, oh, I'm going to send my hench dude after you. Yeah, in, like, the train. And, like, look, I love... I love a good train fight in a Bond movie. I think every time they fight on a train, it rules. But, like, this one doesn't make any sense once you get out past the train fight, you know? Like, and you're like, oh, they were supposed to be there, but then we tried to kill them. Was this just insurance? Do you have a plan anymore? What's the what's going on? It turns into, like, impetus for, for Bond and the Bond girl to have sex. Like, that's that's the entire point of that fight is to be like, yeah. oh, look, he finally broke down that barrier due to a high-tension situation. Oh, and we killed Batista. Don't worry about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Batista was real good in that movie, though. I really liked him as as Mr. Hanks. I always felt he should have been called Fingers. 
Right, because, yeah, or, like, thumbs, because, like, he had, like, the two, like, metal thumbnails that he used to, like, break people's eyeballs or whatever. Pretty clearly the the Jaws reference there, the metal body parts, but... I lo- man, I love Jaws so much. Jaws, like, if I made a list, Jaws is number one on, on Henchman, um, just because he's invincible. He's like, he kills a shark with his mouth in For Your Eyes Only. He bites a shark to death. He bites through a cable car cable. He falls out of a plane. No parachute. Or he has a parachute, and Bond takes it, one or the other, I can't really remember. This is in Moonraker, and he lands on a on a circus tent and survives that, even though he, he definitely should have been dead. He's in space at one point, and the whole bad guy's plan, and this is a huge digression, I'm sorry, but like I just love Jaws so much. The, whole, the bad guy's whole plan in Moonraker is, I'm going to bring everyone pretty that I say up to Earth, pair them off. And then we're going to release these toxins that kill humans, but nothing else. Like no animals, no plants, just humans. And we're going to kill all the humans and we're going to let that kind of wash out after this, like the half-life decays or whatever. And then we're going to go back and repopulate the world. Everything's going to be super beautiful. And it's just these like the the most fit, beautiful people are going to repopulate it. So Bond is up there because he like snuck onto a spaceship because he's James Bond. And Jaws is up there because he was hired by Drax. And at one point... Drax looks or, or Jaws looks around and he has like a, a girlfriend whose name is Dolly but I didn't know that until the other day when I looked it up um I I call her honey babe um uh, just because like she just doesn't get a name but she's like also kind of like you know weird looking she's like a little shorter she has glasses so she's not like you know perfect uh but like she likes Jaws they're in love and he got to bring her on this on the space platform he looks around he's like oh everyone here is super beautiful and I'm a freak I better side with James Bond and kill all these <laughs> people and he does and he he helps james escape from this space station that is flying off to crash on earth and he lands and there's this line of dialogue saying don't worry jaws is fine (laughs) he crashed onto earth and he's totally fine so good anyway back to specter (laughs) that that whole digression should tell you something about um kind of the issues with this movie because it's got some fun parts and they reintroduce Blofeld and the whole Spectre organization really well, kind of. Yeah, they they do... They do, but then there's that, like, it's like, oh, you did this just be, like, it seems like showing off. It seems like being a sore winner, you know, because, like, they got the rights back to Spectre, and they're like, let's do it. Let's do Blofeld. Let's do Spectre. But, like, in the last movie, they just set up Quantum, which was just Spectre with a different name. And then in this movie, they're like, no, there's a double secret organ. I know nobody knew about Quantum. Nobody knows about Spectre. Except for (laughs) Mr. White, who has known about everything for four movies now. Yeah, and, like, that was neat. I like that plot. Line. I like that they like brought him back and kind of wrapped that up and it's like his daughter has no, no purpose like he just like he he wants to say like he's sorry to her I don't remember I don't know why James goes to get her uh, he made the promise to keep her safe right 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 and he did that by taking her directly to Blofeld's house where he has like this evil dentist chair that like drilled into Bond's head and is supposed to make him at the very least face blind and amnesic doesn't seem to do anything except make him scream yeah it's just like like unless the idea is like oh you missed blofeld maybe on your next try you would have got it but like it's kind of dumb <laughs> it's kind of dumb right i like to think there's two there's two theories that i have about this dentist chair the first one is that bond gets drilled in the head and the rest of the movie is a fantasy um because it makes him comatose i don't like that because that's every like did you know that rugrats is actually about you know all the kids are dead it's one of those kind of theories and i hate that <laughs> 
Um, the other theory is that they dr- he drilled into Bond's head, and for whatever reason, where Bond's brain, where his like amnesia face blind button is supposed to be, is just like the part of him that's a horrible person, and so he just removed that, and so Bond could be a cool guy after that. <laughs> because at the end of the movie, he like doesn't kill Blofeld, and he like just drives off with uh with Leia Sadu's character, who who I yeah, it's like it's nice and sweet, and it's like, oh James gets to be happy. You got rid of his miserable uh lobe or whatever, but. This also kind of raises some of the plotting here kind of raises a problem uh, that you mentioned earlier where you have to kind of think of Casino Royale as the hard reboot right to the series because otherwise it becomes problematic for Judy Dench to be there and for the old MI6 building um, that gets blown way up in this one to still be there. Yeah, because they're demolishing it because after Skyfall it was like left abandoned and just like ruined and compromised um but like there's also this part at the end where they they turned it into like universal's halloween horror nights because it's just like this huge maze that would have took like taken a long time to set up but blofeld and i guess a thousand hired helpers did it in a night and like it was all to just like kill the girl to mess with james yeah. but it didn't and, like, he got out, he got the girl, like, because he's James Bond, obviously he's gonna do that, and, like, everything goes his way, but it's, like, this is at, this is post-Evil Dentist Chair, so you're, like, what is he even, like, like where are we at with the your brain, like, how is your brain doing right now? And also, like, who did, who took the time to do all this? And, and why are you choosing this place? Is, if you wanted to mess with him, take him back out to Skyfall, where Judy Dench died for him. Right, yeah, but, like, and it's, like, oh, we can't go to Skyfall because we just did that and it's all blown up, but, like, do it anywhere. Do it in an abandoned building that we don't care about because, like, the same stuff will happen. Exactly the same, yeah, and you could have been prepping it for, you know, years for this because Blofeld was pretty obsessed with James, pretty obviously. Yeah, because, like, he, it turns out that he was his stepbrother, like, when James... When his parents got killed in a climbing accident, he was adopted by Franz Oberhausen and his dad, like his his dad, I don't remember his dad's name, but Franz Oberhausen is Blofeld because he like hated his dad for liking James more. So it's like this really like petty reason to become a supervillain, you know, it's just like a lot of problems with it. And it, it does just seem like a like a like a pissy victory lap. It kind of feels, especially near the end where you get that scene of, or I guess kind of in most of the movie where you get the scene of the classic M office, but you also see like the classic. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Like the classic Q branch that's underground. And it's like a recreation of the exact same sets they used in some of the earlier Bond movies. Part of it just feels like they're just tying off, tying off the whole reboot thing. And they can start fresh with, you know, if if Craig continues in the next one or whatever, that they've gotten all this story out of the way. We've got Spectre established, and there'll probably be a line about Blofeld escaping or whatever. Or they'll keep him in jail for a movie, but... Right, yeah, but, like, who who knows? I had this, like, theory that it was, like, that the Craig movies came first because they're reboot. So it went Quantum of Solace, and then... And then, or no, it went, it went Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, and then all of Brosnan's movies, and then Skyfall, and then all of the other movies, and then Spectre. But then in Spectre, he's fine. Like, it ends, and it's like this big wrap-up, and they have all, like, the old stuff, and so it's like, well, you know, Bernard Lee's M could be Ralph Fiennes' M. Like, they could be the same guy, you know? But then it's like, no, because, like, then, like, the, the Skyfall stuff doesn't really make sense, and it's like, it wouldn't be the same guy if, if you had the Brosnans in the middle and it's like it's just very weird it's very weird to try to piece them together 
in a in a lot of other franchises, I will go whole hog on that. Just like, how does this all work together? How do I make all this fit? Yeah. When we're recording this, it is uh, officially the uh, second annual Star Wars week. Rogue One comes out in a couple days for me. Uh, I am actually overjoyed about Star Wars again for the first time in a long time. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see this one. I've never been a huge Star Wars guy, so I'm like, this should be good. Everything so. I've heard about it says it's good, but. Like, I love doing that kind of stuff, like trying to figure out how all these pieces of Star Wars fit together because they demonstrably don't. Right. Yeah. Those those prequels just ruin everything. And up until Disney bought it all, no one had the really the wherewithal to be like, no, 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 this is the story we're doing. And now they're doing that. But with Bond, I'm just like, with the old ones, I'm like, yeah, those are good action movies. And now with, with Daniel Craig, I'm just like, yeah, I'm willing to just count this as a whole new thing. It's just going to be easier. Yeah, because like the uh, the the thing that like the 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 idea that like Bond is a code name gets thrown out the window in Skyfall when you go to his ancestral home and his parents' graves are there and their last name is Bond and you're like oh well there goes that um, and originally and this might be apocryphal this might be hearsay I don't know but originally the old guy that was at Skyfall the caretaker was supposed to be Sean Connery that would have been so good and there's two ways they could have gone with it. Either, same movie, but that's just Connery, and it's like a cutesy nod, right? But in the beginning of the movie, when they say the word Skyfall, he gets mad. Like, he doesn't get, like, melancholy. He gets, like, like don't you say that name to me, you know? So, like, I think the original idea was, like, Skyfall is where retired spies go. When you're done, we send you to Skyfall... And then he would go there and it would just be all the old Bonds just hanging out like, oh, we used to be James Bond too, but we're no one anymore. And that's why he was so mad. That would have been incredible, especially if it was if he like passed Roger Moore walking out and it was just Connery there on site and everything. Yeah, like, oh, like just Connery playing golf and like, like, you know, Roger Moore just like reading or whatever. And like, like that would have been really great. But like there's uh, Connery had to dip out at the last minute for, I think, health reasons. I'm not sure. And so they replaced it with this other guy who I don't I don't know who the actor was. I can't remember. He was good. But then the movie just kind of took this weird turn where it's like, I got to go to where my parents lived because it's remote i mean it is it's in the scottish highlands everything is remote up here but right i feel like there was like an easier way to like kill silva though like i feel like there could have been an easier way to get to him but yeah you know instead of luring him a thousand miles out out into nowhereville yeah i love skyfall and you know it's got its own issues but specter specter i think it it takes a very complicated knot and tries to make a good-looking bow out of it. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Because, like, the beginning, the opening sequence is amazing. It's, 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 it, they say it's one shot. It's definitely not one shot. There's, like, at least four takes uh, that I can count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can't be one shot. Too much goes on. Well, there, I know a lot of it was green. There's, like, a lot of green screen stuff, but there was at least four points where, like, he went past something. Like, he went out a window, and he went into an elevator, and, like, a door closed, or, like, he walked by just, like, something that obscured him for a second so they could, like, had some cut points. Yeah. But, like, taking that aside, it's a really cool scene, if a little unnecessary, and not actually how the Day of the Dead is celebrated, though they're though they're going to change it, from what I hear. Like, Mexico City wants to make that a thing now because of how well the movie did, which is weird. It, man, I've been to Mexico City a couple times, and I can tell you that those, that many people 
crammed into the Zocalo Plaza there, that would be a nightmare. That city might just explode <laughs> if that happened. Uh, well, good luck, Mexico City. We wish you the best. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the best of luck and uh, keep keep your delicious street food going. So, yeah, I, th- I think it does do... It has a, Spectre has a whole lot of individual pieces that really work well. But looked at as a whole, and especially tied into, you know, Skyfall, Quantum, and Casino Royale, all four of those are kind of a mess. Yeah, it's sort of a really messy tenure that Craig has had. And this might be his last Bond. Like, he has not confirmed or denied at this point. But, like, it's it, it's looking like this. he's done. So, like... It's a nice way for Bond to go out, but when you like look at the big picture of the Craig Bond franchise, it's just like this is depressing and yeah. complicated that it didn't need to be. Like everything was just like kind of weird and like I don't know why you did all this stuff in the order that you did it in or like especially especially Spectre. That's like it it is it's a lot of really good pieces that just do not connect together. No, it's yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Like it's a bunch of really cool pieces that belong in other Bond movies. Yeah, like every every part could be its own Bond movie, but like it's it's one Bond movie and you're like you're doing too much, buddy. You're you're doing too many things. You don't need to. And uh and again, like not to harp on this, but the cold open does kind of like go through the movie. So like it would have been a really great unrelated cold open, you know, like just like him doing this crazy stuff in Mexico City and then like nope, that's it. Like that's all that that was. But instead, it's like, uh, it leads into Spectre, it leads into Quantum, and all this other stuff. And it's like, I get it. That's how movies are made now. But, like, just like, I don't know, I just I just miss when you could just do cool things and not have to, like, try to make everything mythology-based and, like, you know, yeah, tied to the bigger hole. That, it would be nice just if they'll do the next Bond movie and just open it with him just dropping on some building, wrecking shop there, and it have nothing to do with what happens next. You expect to be like, hey, guys, James Bond. Right, look at how cool this guy is. That's all we need. I would love it if the next movie is just called Doctor No, and it's a like a hard reboot of the whole series, but like said to be that way, and not just like um, this is the like how this is how Bond started, but also it's its own Bond, and like I'd even be fine if they leave like Craig stuff in as as canon and just have something kind of happen off screen with the girl. Right. Yeah. Or or like just let him go be happy and like. Make make 007 a code name from now on, like you know, like because he can't go by James Bond anymore if he goes and leaves the spy world. So we can just take that and give it to this guy, right? Yeah, it 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 it's all there. Uh, will they do it? Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> no one can penetrate the mind of the uh, broccoli family. No. So we've we've looked at I think you know a good spread across everything here. So um, what's kind of your takeaway as far as like high points and low points with Bond? Just real quick. From from what we talked about or just like in general? Just in general. Like what's what's kind of we'll we'll do we'll do a couple things. We'll do like best movie, worst movie, and then um, just touch real fast on like theme songs. Okay. So what out of everything Worst movie. Worst movie is Die Another Day. That's not even, that's like not even, a, like, I don't have to think about that for one second. It's just like, that's the worst one. It's so bad. Nobody in that movie showed up. Like, they're like they're there, but they are not doing any work. It's really Brosnan's bad. Brosnan's Irish for most of that movie. Oh, yeah. He just totally gives up the ghost on pretending he's English. He's just like, no, nah, I'm just doing my regular accent. Hope it's cool. There's one good part. And, uh, like, spoilers for Die Another Day, uh, there's, uh, her name is Madeline Snow, I believe her name is. She's, like, a, a like, an agent, she's a, she's a British agent who's, like, undercover with the bad guy, which is, this bad guy's whole thing is it's just a huge mess. Um, and it turns out 
nope, she's a double agent. She's a traitor. And as soon as they do that, she goes from being like a good, compelling character to like, oh, she's just like, 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 oh, we got to dress her all sexy because she's evil now. And like, she's got to stop making good decisions and she can't do anything cool. She's got to be like evil and sexy. And it's like, guys, why? <laughs> why did you do anything here? The bad guy names his second son Icarus because he's never heard about like, the myth of Icarus before and how it didn't really go great for Icarus. It's just bad from this. Like he just, it's everything's a mess in that movie. It is a criminal misuse of London calling in there as well. Oh God. So dumb. So bad and dumb. And then Jinx, like Halle Berry's character is the worst Bond girl. It's the worst theme song. It's awful. The whole movie is bad. And I watched it because the random number generator gave it to me on this last run through. And it was, it was a, it was a sad day. Oh buddy. (laughs) (laughs) listen if you haven't watched die another day don't or if you want to watch a truly awful movie watch it but if you want to if you want to have like a good time get a bunch of friends together get some alcohol have some fun watching this bad movie get do your own mr science theater 3000 to it that would be like that would be real fun if you're trying to watch a movie because like you want to have like a, a genuine good time and watch a good movie do not watch this one. Not even a little bit. Uh, and and I would caution anyone listening against trying to make like your own at home drinking game for it, is you'll, you'll probably die. die. Yeah, there's there's too much. You'll just die. <laughs> any any topic you can pick is gonna be horrible, and a lot yeah. of it. So let's jump to the top of the list. What is your the best Bond movie? This one is tricky because. Like, like best and favorite are always the thing that I struggle with uh, because I went to film school. Like I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering film student. So like I, <laughs> so like I, I do want to like critically be like, oh, this one is for all of the, but at the same time, I'm like in Moonraker, he went to space <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and Jaws fell out of a plane and crashed to earth on a space station. So like. But I think my favorite one is License to Kill for all the reasons that it shouldn't be. Cause like I like I'm really against movies just being darker and grittier for no reason and like or like more violent because um without like a like a nice wink and a nod, you know, like be like, hey, it's violent, but like buy in. Like it's fine. Like, you know, that's kind of the idea. But like it's a more serious Bond movie. It's like it Bond goes rogue. I think this is the first time he went rogue was in uh, License to Kill. And then he did it every three, every two or three movies after that. And I think in every Daniel Craig movie, he went rogue. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Every single one of them. Yeah. He was the rogue Bond. But like, I, like there's, I love Pam Bouvier, who is the Bond girl. I think she's great. Uh, she doesn't take any of his guff for like the whole movie. And then at the end, she kind of falls in love with him, but is still competent, which is like crazy. Uh, Cause I, I called the solitaire coefficient um, in live and let die. There was a girl named solitaire. And as soon as she slept with James Bond, she became useless. Um, and like, like had no agency and like just really pathetic in like, in like offensive ways. Um, so, I, I judge every Bond girl by the solitaire coefficient is like how long after they fall for or sleep with James Bond did they be like how bad do they get? Yeah. And she doesn't. She's just fine. She just like is in love with Bond. But like it's like it, the movie ends and I'm like, oh, man, I I want every other Bond to just be like, like I want Brosnan to be a new guy. I want like this James Bond and Pam Bouvier just like went off and like got married and had kids and just had a nice life afterwards. <laughs> so um, just real quick here. Give us just like. Top three theme songs. Top three theme songs. Okay. Who? Uh, the best. Should I go three to one or one to three? Three to one. Let's go. Let's go up to the best. 
Okay, so three is probably The World Is Not Enough, the garbage version. Uh, I don't know if it's just Shirley Manson or if it's or if it's the band Garbage, not like a bad version. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that song is tied with maybe maybe I'll have to cheat and tie that one with Tomorrow Never Dies because those two songs are like pretty bulletproof. Then it is oh. My top, my my top two can be interchangeable, so I'm trying to like see how you feel today. See, yeah, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say for your eyes only is number two. Um, that's a real great song. It's by Sheena Easton. It like it has like a like this rise and fall, and it like come keeps coming back to the line for your eyes only in a super satisfying way. Like the hook just like lands so well. And then I think the best one has got to be, I don't actually know the name of it. It's uh, it's the Spy Who Loved Me's theme song. I think it's called Baby You're the Best. I don't actually know if that's the name. Nobody does it better. I It didn't come up, but the, okay, yes. It's Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon. Yeah, that that's the best one. That That is the best Bond song. Awesome. I kind of want to hear, I kind of want to hear what your best and worst are. Oh, uh, for, okay. For, for, for movies, though. I know we're running a little bit long. I, I, that's my fault. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um. Okay, worst movie. You can just say "Die Another Day." You don't have to like try to think of a one that is comparable. I mean, <laughs> look, that one is easily the bottom tier. I was trying to think of what's going to be right next to it, and I think "Quantum of Solace" might actually be like my standalone second worst. Really, that's interesting. Uh, I I've, I've only seen "Quantum of Solace" twice. The first time I watched it, literally right after Casino Royale, and it worked fine for me. I think that's the only way you can actually watch it and make it be a good movie. Yeah, I watched it um, before I watched Casino Royale on this last one because I was doing random number generators. Um, I was going like by it was a, a whole complicated mess. I was like it went by Bond, but like I just randomly picked them. Um, so I di- I did it by itself and it was fine. Um, but I can see I can see not liking it by itself. You have to know too much going into it. You do. You have to know the setup, and I think without that, it's it doesn't really stand on its own, which is kind of a, a bad thing for a Bond movie to do. It, it feels like just a really extended third act to Casino Royale. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, because like, it gives you all the closure you didn't get in Casino Royale. I would say my second worst is Thunderball. Thunderball. Yeah, it's or... a real bad one. It's because it's so boring. Or the Living Daylights. Either of those, really. Living, oh. yeah. When Bond gets boring, that's when I tap out. That's when I'm like, no, please don't do this to me. Best. Best Bond movie. Ooh. I'm I'm too much of a sucker for what they did with the, with the Daniel Craig Bonds, like what they tried to do overall. So I honestly think right now, if I was going to do like uh, the Chris Sims patented walking out the door test. Um, right. It would, it would be Skyfall. I would sit down and watch Skyfall okay. almost any day of the week. That's that's still that's a good call because it is it is a good movie. It's it's uh it just like it does some weird stuff for the franchise, but like by itself, it's it's a solid movie. Like it's a good movie. It's a good Bond movie, and it's also just a good movie, which is kind of yeah. rare on yeah, some of these. Uh, that that is true. I would I my best also might be Goldeneye because like it's just too it's too perfect. Yeah, Goldeneye hits every note right where it needs to. Theme songs. Ooh theme songs it's, it's tricky it's there's a lot of them <laughs> i i am a child of my of a time so living daylights is going to be number three okay good call <laughs> that theme song is too good for that movie yeah which and like the best part about that is like aha had not been relevant for like four years at that point and they like dusted off the mothballs and like hey do a really great bond song and you'll get your career back a little bit yeah yeah i think again child of my time 
I've, I've got to put Tina Turner in at number two with Goldeneye, even though the okay. song itself, like the intro is weird, but that song is, like I said, tied right up there with uh, the Thunderdome, Beyond Thunderdome song from the right. Max series. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think it's going to be the Skyfall song as well that I don't remember the name of. I was just Oh, Adele just did. It was just Skyfall, I think was the name of the song. It was just called Skyfall? I, I, I'm pretty sure, but yeah, Adele, Adele like m- murdered that song. It was so good. Yeah. And if if I if I had like a uh, honorable mention would be Casino Royale's theme song. Okay, just because like it didn't have hardly anything to do with the movie, but it's just a good punchy song that works really well with the credits that they built around it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel about the song because like I it's not one of my favorites, but I think the like the spirit of the movie was captured within it, if not necessarily like the plot, you know, or like the themes or anything. <laughs> uh, no, but Adele did just just destroy with skyfall that was great yeah so that's that's kind of gonna wrap up uh wrap up our bond discussion for this go around uh love to have you back we can hit some bottom floaters of of bond oh yeah i tried i like i think specter is like one of the, the low ones and and view to a kill is also but like there's bad bond movies that we could talk about if, if you want to. that might be real fun <laughs> <laughs> But for now, um, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, I am on Twitter at JJ underscore Mason. I have a host of podcasts. Uh, you can just go back to episode two uh, where I rattle them all off. Uh, some new additions are I do another podcast because I have a disease and I can't stop. Uh, it's called Cool Kids Table. It's a, uh, a RPG podcast where we play a different RPG. Um, usually we do like one every month, month and a half. Like every other week we'll do an episode, three, you know, one to three episodes. We just put out one called Ghost Ship Enya. Uh, and it just if it gets weird at the end it doesn't end how anyone like playing or listening would expect that was a, a lot of fun to listen to that episode y'all did I, I love what y'all are doing with cool kids table and oh, thank you this may sound weird but i enjoy hearing all of you guys being at different points just really uncomfortable like out of out of your comfort zone on what y'all are playing yeah, uh, it's it happens frequently because we've done a couple games where I we ended and I was like we played that game wrong right like we didn't do we didn't do that right but it's real fun I think it's I think it's real fun and it's not all ages like uh, like my other podcasts are so I can I can swear if I need to which sometimes you just gotta when you're playing these games uh, but then also Pokemon World Tour United is like the big one that I'm that I want everyone to go listen to so oh, it's yeah. an RPG where we. It's the world's cutest actual play podcast, uh, and Matt is on. Uh, by the time this comes out, I imagine your episode will have aired. It'll so. probably be right about the same time, yeah. I'm incredibly nervous about that. Anyway. It's uh, going to be good. You did fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review, or maybe tell a friend. Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Rosevere and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. (laughs) 